time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what the world is throwing at you, no matter what life is throwing at you. Which is why we're talking today about how you thrive in this age of panic. And I want to talk some about specifically about the age of panic about uh, the coronavirus, uh, because I think that is what's catching us right now. But use this as an example of how we can thrive on repeated things that come our way when the world just keeps on showing that there are danger points and we have a hard time assessing what that danger is. And so today, I just want to talk a little bit about how you can begin to continue to thrive in spite of this. So we're staring down this pandemic right now as I'm recording this and I'm recording it right at the beginning of of March. We're still trying to figure out where this is going to go in so many ways. And this is part of what gets in the way of us being calm is the fact that there's so many unknowns. We're not even sure where this started. There are lots of theories. We're not even sure how it's spreading. There are lots of theories. We have some ideas about what happens, but just at the beginning point. And so you're getting all these trickles of information And then they end up having a political cast to them that you don't know what to do with them. So I want to just talk a little bit about specifically what things you can do for this situation and then how we can always thrive in the midst of these struggles. So first of all, I want you to notice that this isn't the first time there's been this wave of a new infection. In fact, it's been a regular occurrence. And so notice that this regular occurrence where some new strain of something pops up on the radar screen and sends us into a panic, and here we are still around, which tells us that there is a repeating process that is not going to stop. This is not the last time there's going to be some new virus that comes on the scene or some new uh, infection that comes upon us. This is going to be a regular occurrence. Part of the reason for that is because no matter what happens in politics, we live in a globalized world right now. Think about what happened in centuries past where there were groups that maybe had not seen an illness and some group of people came in. And introduced that illness, and it was devastating. And yet the group that introduced the illness had been living with it for a long time. They'd become used to it. And it was the people who were not used to it that were affected. And that would happen repeatedly. But now we're also intermingled, and people are constantly jetting around the world. So we're constantly exposed to a global microcosm or microscopic world that comes our way. Every time you're in a new place, your body is already bombarded. I don't know if you know this, but most of your body, most of the, the cells, the organisms in your body are not yours. They, the, the pieces of bacteria and fungi and uh, viruses that are in your body way outnumber the cells that make you up. In fact, if you just look at your gut structure, we're learning more and more about the microorganisms that are in your gut and how they affect your overall health, your, even your mental health, your emotional health. And that changes wherever you go. We know for a fact that when you're visiting another place, your microcosm in your gut changes. 
meaning you're different in your chemical, biochemical makeup when you're in another country or even another part of this country eating different foods and, and being around different things. And that's true for the rest of you. You know, you're exposed to different things in the air around you, which is why sometimes people have allergies in one place that they don't have them in another place. They react to something in one place. They don't react in another place. And you're constantly guarding against all of those intruders in your body, the bad stuff. You've got good and bad stuff already mixed in, and they're finding some place of a, a homeostasis in your body. That's just how it works. But now we have this new thing, a new organism that our body is trying to figure out how to respond to. That's what happens when we catch a cold or catch the flu or catch some other bug. Our body is trying to figure out how to respond to something that's not normally there. So you catch a cold. It's not that you didn't have viruses all in your body or bacteria all in your body, but you didn't have that virus that triggers your body into having an, an immune response. The same is true with the flu. And how your body reacts to that can vary depending on what kind of health you're bringing into it and just your natural way of responding to those pieces of, of foreign substances, bacteria or virus. That's just the nature of life. And so we're going to have repeated times when suddenly they realize that there's something new that our body is taking on. That's what's been happening over the millennia. As long as we humans have been on the earth, our bodies have been challenged by these viruses and bacteria because they were here long before we were. They mutate along the way trying to find a new way into our system simply because that's what viruses and bacteria do to survive, to make it to the next stage. So this is true with this virus. It's a new virus of an old type, the old type you've seen before. It's the same group that has the common cold in it, but this one seems to be reacting differently because our bodies haven't seen this one before. And so our ch it changes how we respond to that. So here's what's interesting to me as I look back on the times just that I can remember of the times when the new bugs were coming over. We go into a panic phase. And then as the immediate threat goes away, we fall into a complacency phase. The panic phase is a place where it looks as if we are all in for it. And then the complacency phase is when we act like this is never going to happen again, only for it to happen again. We watch the pattern play out because we're not learning to deal with the fact that these risks are out there. And that's a geopolitical issue that we all fall into, where when it's on our radar screen, we do all we can to fight against it. But when it falls off the radar, it falls off of our reaction to it, even though the threats are lurking right out there. And so part of what you want to understand is that there is a cyclical nature to what happens here. Now, we have lots of other illnesses that have come and raised our alarm, and they're still around. If you don't remember the H1N1 uh, that happened you know, just within the last decade, that's a, a one reference point where it suddenly emerged and was pretty contagious and caused a lot of people to get really sick. And then people stop talking about it. The same has been true with other illnesses across time. And so the question is, how do we deal with this in a respectable way where we look for the threat that is there, try to mitigate with that, but not lose out on our living and, as I'm talking about, our thriving in the midst of that. So how do we do that? 
I want you to first think about what happens when we go into survival mode. Remember, there's survival mode and there's thrival mode. And when we're trying to survive, we're often not doing a lot of thriving. So let's talk first about what happens in survival mode. One thing is that it is fear-fueled. The fear is based in the fact that we don't know everything at this point. We don't have all the facts. But that's true all the time. Just recognize that we click into a survival mode when what's fueling us, that what's causing that energy is from fear. Not just that, but we get threat-focused. And our fear then goes into overdrive, which leads to information gluttony. (laughs) We start looking for every piece of information or... We pretend nothing is going on. I mean, that tends to be, as I talk with people these days, what's going on. They're either reading every article and listening to everything they can about what they what might be happening, what what's out there, or they're pretending like nothing is out there. That they don't even want to know how this is transmitted or what happens. And so we go into this place where we're either fleeing the scene or we're wrapping up in it. We're just trying to find everything we can in it. Those, both of those modes leave us without having a clear plan of what to do. That information gluttony can get in our way and keep us from e- being able to move along to keep thriving, to get to the place where we're out of survival mode. So just a quick check. Do you find yourself in survival mode right now? I mean, do you find yourself glued to the TV or to the radio or to the podcast or to the newspaper or to blogs or other places that are talking about what's going on? Or do you find yourself trying to avoid even looking at that? The sweet spot somewhere in between where you're looking for the information that's going to be helpful. And when you know enough, you make your plan and then you continue to keep living. That's the place where we cross out of survival mode back into thrival mode. So what I'm not suggesting is that you go on a media fast. Sometimes I'll suggest that people just stop reading the paper and stop watching cable news and stop taking in all of the information because they're on information overload to the point of fear. I don't think that's the place where we need to be right now. For a long time, I have avoided watching newscasts, and I still continue to do that. But I also am tuning in to certain places to make sure that I understand where the threats are around me right now. Now, recognize that once the media knows where people are getting sick, it doesn't mean it isn't happening anywhere else. It just means that that's where the story is right then. So when we're hearing about the locations of the virus, remember the virus isn't paying attention to geography. The virus is traveling right along with the fact that we all are moving around our world and we don't know what we're taking with us. So you want to pay attention to the media for the information on how to stay safe and what you might need to do for your area. So don't go on a media fast, but you don't have to go on the media buffet either. You can find a place in between. So the first thing I would suggest is to consider the source of your information. I believe that the closer you can get to the original source, so it's not been interpreted multiple times, the better off you are. For example, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, is uh, the point place in the government that is responsible for taking in the information and processing it and letting us know about it. It appears that that is still working very well. So in spite of whatever politics are are, uh, running around, 
these agencies tend to do a pretty good job of letting us know. And I would say the CDC and the World Health Organization, who are pretty good places for information on a global stage of what's happening where in the world and in our country and some of the precautions we can take because they are medically based. The next good place is the local health services, the local health department, the local group around you that are also trying to make sure that the community is as safe as possible. Those are the great places for the primary source information. Back when I was doing academic work, that was one of the things that we were also always pushing people to do is to get to the primary source. You don't want to go for the people who are quoting the primary source or the people who are quoting the people who are quoting the primary source or even further steps out. You wanted to go to the primary source, the source of the information, the place closest to the beginning point of that information. So the closer you can get to that, people who are directly quoting the CDC, if not the CDC, or directly quoting who or who, or your local health department would be a great place to focus your attention for the information. Then you're not going to be overwhelmed with the pundits who are adding their spin or their opinion about what may or may not happen or may or may not be true. You'll be getting to the place at least of what they know at that moment. Now recognize that what they say one day may change the next day, not because they were saying something on a spin before, but because they now have more information. The more information that we get, the closer we are to being something definitive. But in science, there is no such thing as definitive. So keep waiting for the ever-evolving process and stay up with that so you know how to respond to keep yourself safe. The next thing is to sensibly prepare. And I notice what happens. You know, it's the same thing that happens when uh, there is a possibility of, say, a snowstorm in my area. The interesting thing, in our area, a snowstorm would rarely do much more than maybe a couple of days of uh, traffic problems. Maybe a little bit more than that, but if it's bigger than that, we generally know it's coming. We haven't had a major snow issue for a number of years, and yet... Whenever they say that there is snow coming, the shelves empty at the store of things far beyond what someone would need for a couple of days. Sensibly preparing means that you have enough on hand. If you had to stay at home, you could stay home for a while. And you'll have to decide what that time frame of a while is. But to have something extra on hand. But you don't have to have everything extra on hand. My suggestion uh, to my kids has been to have some staples on hand, things that can sit in your closet for a while, but if necessary, would keep you fed. And the same with over-the-counter medications. Right now, we don't know of anything special that's going to keep this from happening, keep anybody from getting sick, but we do know that you want to be prepared to treat the symptoms. But you only need to have enough in your house to treat the symptoms of the people in your house, not half of your neighborhood, Lots of people are stockpiling, which means that others aren't getting that. And the reason for that is because when when we're in survival mode, we are also self-focused. We stop cooperating as well with each other, and we start getting to the place where we're self-centered and pulling in closer and closer to to the self. So we're self-motivated. And the way through that is to think, okay, what do I need, leaving enough for others? 
We also know that there are lots of things going on and, and lots of people who are saying what you might need, for instance, some masks and things like that that have pro- been proven to not be particularly effective, but have a role for those who might already be sick or people who are dealing with those people. So you want to make sure that what you're getting in your stockpile are things that are actually going to make a difference for you moving through this. And as far as we know at this point, the difference would be if you needed to stay home or you had people who needed to stay home in order to to stop the spread. That's what you want to be prepared for in this case. Now, this is not speaking to every possible case, but the case we're in right now with the coronavirus. So you want to make sure that you're sensible based on what's going on around you rather than speculation of uh, right now where some people uh, seem to be uh, preparing for months and months of uh, having to hide out in their basement, which doesn't seem to be what's going on in this case. The other piece of this is having sensible guidelines. For instance, the difference between social distance versus isolation I know some people who are already ready to isolate themselves when social distancing helps. For instance, not shaking hands, not sharing drinks, not getting too close to people. If you see people who are sneezing or coughing or doing something else to stay away from them for not touching lots of things. And if you do touch things that you wash your hands to use your knuckles or your elbows when you're touching buttons in public places to push through with doors instead of grabbing handles, things like that where you're eliminating more and more chances of coming in contact with the germs. So social distance is a pretty good idea. Staying a few feet away from people uh, in different social settings might be wise at this point. Avoiding huge groups of people, if there are outbreaks in your area, might be wise at this point. But isolating yourself is a whole different thing. There are consequences to isolation too. We as humans need social contact. So when we're in survival mode, sometimes we don't even take care of the things that keep us in a more uh, healthy place in terms of our interactions. They're very clear right now that one of the best things we can do is to have good hygiene that we would have in any cold or flu season, which means if we're not feeling well, we don't go out. We've been having this conversation at my jiu-jitsu gym, and for good reason. There's not many places where I uh, am as in close contact with virtual strangers as I am when I go to jiu-jitsu. We're rolling around in our sweaty clothes with each other and uh, in very awkwardly social connections. So if somebody comes in and says, you know what, I don't care, I'm not feeling well, but I'm going to roll tonight, one person can easily infect lots of people. So realizing that the first line of defense for everyone is if you're not feeling well, to not expose others to you. But if you're out and about, what do you do? One of the things is to make sure you're washing your hands. The latest information says that washing your hands just with regular soap for 20 seconds is a pretty good way of getting rid of those germs. So that's not once a day. That's multiple times during the day. But that also doesn't mean every hour or every half hour or getting to the place where it becomes obsessive for you. Just doing it after you've been out somewhere. For instance, if you go to the store, you come home, you might want to wash your hands. If you're with people in a public place and you come home, you might want to wash your hands. If you've been pushing through doors that other people have touched, you might want to wash your hands. 
The other thing which is tough for humans is to avoid touching your face, certainly your eyes, but touching anywhere on your face. We humans have this uh, capacity of uh, touching um, our face frequently, and we don't even realize it. So getting into the habit and breaking that habit of touching our face is a good thing to do all the time. And certainly around cold and flu season, it's particularly important. So kind of attending to that will keep it uh, from being an issue for you. Basically, it's following good hygiene practice anytime it's cold or flu season. The other thing I want you to think about is more in the thriving world. For instance, can you shift to your circle of control? You see, one of the things that I notice happens is that we get hyper vigilant all around us and we're trying to control things that we can't control. I can't get particularly wrapped up on things I can't control. I can't control if somebody happens to come by me and coughs in my face and spreads germs. I can't control the fact that there may be others who are sick that we don't know yet. I can't control that germs can cause damage. I just recognize that those are things beyond my control. So I have to remind myself of that, do the best I can to mitigate that as best I can, and then return to my place of circle of control. Am I looking for where I can move in important ways in the world? Can I do my best to take care of myself and others around me? That's my circle of control, my actions, my attitude, my aspirations. Those are what are in my control. Everything else is outside of my control. So when we shift back to asking the question, what of this is in my control? We begin to control how we're reacting to this. We shift away from that survival mode, which is trying to control everything else. So shift back to your circle of control. I've got a link uh, to a podcast on what we can control uh, in the show notes. So maybe listening to that would help remind you of that. Remember also to stay active and healthy during this time. You know, one of the things I've noticed is people who are pulling away from exercising and are are not being so careful about taking care of their, their health. But remember that our immune system is one thing that we can't control, but we can sure have some influence over. Our immune system responds to how healthily we're taking care of our body. So make sure that you're taking care of your body and getting the rest and giving it the care it needs so that it's at optimal capacity of an immune response that's in line with the threat that's there. Then also stay connected. Nurture your connections with other people. That doesn't mean you have to be in person with them. One of the wonders of the technology we live in today is the capacity of us reaching out to people. You can send somebody a Facebook message or just send them a text or uh, do some FaceTime with people or call them or do lots of other ways of connecting with people that will keep us all connected in ways that are caring and concerning with each other. While we might have to avoid some social settings in the future, we don't necessarily have to isolate. We just want to stay connected using safety and technology to keep us there. And the last thing is to actually have a safety plan. To think about what you would do in the case of this coming to your neighborhood or even to your house. What would you do? The reason you want to actually have a plan is because we always do better responding to a plan than responding to our fear, reacting to our fear. When we have a plan, we know what to follow. For instance, at the first sign 
of uh, temperature in somebody, what would we naturally do with that? And who would we contact? And this is especially true if you're living by yourself to make sure that you have a plan for who you would contact and how you would make sure that you're getting the help you need. How would you make sure that you have um, the, the things to sustain you? That's the part of that plan would include making sure that your provisions are there for you in the case of, of need. It's tough to make a plan when the crisis is hitting. It's better to have a plan that you'd never use than to not have planned and thought about in the first place. So as you're beginning to think about this, remember that, yeah, we're facing something that feels like a huge issue for us. But this will pass. That doesn't mean that the coronavirus will go away. It will pass in the the mode that we're in right now. This is the first wave. We don't have to drop into survival mode. My feeling is that it rarely helps for us to get pulled back into survival mode. My feeling is it's better to have our plan and to continue to thrive. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to live your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it.